To our dear Wellness Couch listeners, we are sending you all our love during these unprecedented times. Now is the time to appreciate what community really is all about. And on the back of our wellness base camps in Geelong and Camden being postponed, we've decided to run a virtual experience that anyone can attend. It's called Crisis to Confidence. Right now, the world faces five major challenges. The first one, fear and anxiety. So Kim Morrison will present Uncertainty and Love. The second one is social isolation. So Marcus Pierce is going to talk about how to build community during these difficult times. The third is mental and emotional despair. So Brett Hill will talk about how to develop resilience. The fourth is financial uncertainty. So Jason Witten will talk about creating financial security. And the fifth is a challenged immunity. So Cindy O'Meara will share how to boost our immunity during these times. Crisis to Confidence will be broadcast live on Saturday, April 4. And if you can't make it, you'll receive lifetime access. To register and for all the details, go to thewellnessbasecamp.com. That's thewellnessbasecamp.com. Thank you, Wellness Cow Tribe. We love you and send our virtual hugs and kisses. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you and as always, I'm absolutely stoked to be here with the country's premier wellness expert. He is the food guru, the chiropractic legend, the naturopath, the naturopaths look up to. He is the longevity expert and all-around good guy, my brother from another mother, the great Damien Christoph. Hello, legend. <laughs> Hello, legend. Thanks for the great intro, mate. It's always great to be here with you. How are you? I'm absolutely flying. Now, pop quiz word association game with you. If I say Arnott's, you say? Biscuits. Biscuits. Arnott's biscuits. Tim Tams. My favorite were mint slices growing up every morning. Two of them for morning tea. Uh, (laughs) TV. Oh, no. Well, TV snacks at night or watching the footy. Um, The full Um, Arnott's range. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think I can be forgiven for thinking that our next guest has nothing to do with the Arnott name because he is an internationally recognised regenerative farmer. Charlie mm-hmm. Arnott is an award-winning grazier from Burrawa, New South Wales, here in our mother country, Australia. He's an educator and passionate advocate for regen farming practices. In 2018, Charlie won the prestigious Bob Hawke Landcare Australia Award, and it wasn't a one-hit wonder. Charlie's been awarded con... Uh, Conversation, no, Conservation Farmer of the Year, the National Carbon <laughs> Cocky Award for Outstanding Leadership, and he's been featured in a host of magazines and articles around Australia about the work wow. he does. In short, Charlie is famous. He's very, very famous because he's one of the absolute best at what he does for our country and the world. Charlie, the great descendant of Arnott's, it is a very warm welcome to 100 Not Out. <laughs> Well, if I wasn't if I wasn't famous before that intro, uh, Marcus, I will be now having been on your show. So I'm very excited <laughs> to be here. Uh, uh, it's great to have you here, Charlie. Charlie, um, the Arnott story. We definitely can't let that one go. Now, you're a journey farmer, and that's a descendant of Arnott's. Um, can you tell us a bit about your upbringing and your connection to this iconic brand? Yeah. So I was. Um, uh, my great 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 grandfather William started the the, the biscuit uh, company 
um, many years ago. Uh, I think it was 1865, if I am correct. Um, so it's been around for a while. And um, so all those generations from, from William to my father worked in the factory in, in various capacities. My grandfather was the general manager for many years at Homebush in Sydney. My father did eight years in the factory and then he'd always had a hankering for the country. His mother um, grew up um, near Moree in New South Wales and he spent his holidays going to family farms and friends' um, properties and working. So about you know, eight years into his apprenticeship, he decided he'd, he'd stop that and, and, and move to one of the family properties. Um, and then some years later, I, you know, he, I, I came along and, um, and I guess was born into that farming family um, situation, which I absolutely love, I have to say. It was a, a blessed to be um, you know, growing up in the country with, with a, uh, my mum and dad and my brother um, here at Burrawa. And you know, we were very conventional farmers. Um, uh, you know, we had sheep, cattle, we were growing wool, we were cropping, you know, cutting hay, all sorts of different enterprises. Um, and that's what I knew and that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I then really backed that sort of um, early childhood education, as it were, up with uh, in tertiary studies at uh, doing a rural science course uh, or degree at um, UNE, University of New England up at Armidale in New South Wales. So that was that was sort of a continuation of the rural theme there. Um, and so some years after I'd finished that degree, I, I moved back to Burua and, and started managing the property again in a very conventional fashion. Um, you know, I had my fair share of Arnott's biscuits along the way at lunch. And- <laughs> <laughs> As we all have. <laughs> <laughs> occasionally, occasionally sneak in the odd mint slice still. Um, <laughs> oh, me even too. Though even though they're not necessarily organic. <laughs> but um, we won't about them? About that. If you have one, you've got to have all 12. Like, I don't understand yeah. that. It's just, it's amazing. We, there's, um, I think there's 11 tim tams in a packet have you, have you guys done the tim tam challenge before <laughs> no, <laughs> no i was never a tim tam man i've just been offended by tim tams it's mint, mint slices or mint slices oh, well i don't think there's a mint slice challenge if you, if you want to do the tim tam challenge you have to eat three three of them in uh, a minute under a minute it oh. sounds easy you give it a crack it's tough <laughs> um challenge accepted. <laughs> so that you guys you guys can work that one out so, um, so in about 1997, um, I came home. I managed it um, conventionally, still did all these enterprises and, 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 and uh, industrial farming as it was. And then probably 15 years ago, I, um, yeah, just started changing my practice based on um, meeting my wife, um, some other people I met, some books I read, some some um, tension events, as Charlie Massey calls them in his book called The Red Warbler, where um you know, the, sort of a culmination of, of of events that happen that pushes one into a different set of thinking or a you know, different paradigm or breaks a few paradigms. It's usually, you know, reasonably stressful sort of a, events. And so for us, um, we've been through a series of dry years. Um, and interestingly enough, I, I, I saw in the, in the local Burua News um, an ad for a, a workshop, a one-day workshop called Profiting from the Drought. Um, which would just blew my head off. I thought, how, how can anyone profit from a drought? So I was curious enough to go along, and that course really set me on my current path uh, in terms of just looking at what I did very differently, looking at what who I was, you know, as a farmer. Um, I was a farmer, but I I was really only considering myself as a farmer. I didn't sort of think about um, what else I was as a 
as an individual, as a human being. I hadn't. I started looking more at my health um, along along the way because I, you know, uh, from from my own personal health um, sort of uh, perspective, but also what I was doing to other people's health by producing food that you know I used to spend a lot of time spraying with all sorts of you know chemicals, pesticides, herbicides, and things. So you know there was a real change in perspective initially, and then change in practice. Um, pretty soon after that, yeah, about 15 years ago, 2004 or five is where there was a big turning point for me. This is this is this is, just blows my mind, Charlie, because there's there's so many um, uh, what's the word um, parallels here. I have to just tell a quick story whilst and and listeners, please keep up with me if you can. So you remind me of the Australian version of John Robbins, and I think I've told you this story, Charlie. But my epiphany and almost part of my introduction to Damien Christoph was I read a book by John Robbins, who was the heir to the throne of the Baskin-Robbins Ice Cream Corporation, mm-hmm. and he realised that uh, Baskin-Robbins, famous for their 31 Flavours franchise, multi-billion dollar company, he realised that he didn't want to be in charge of discovering the 32nd flavour of ice cream. He grew up on ice cream for breakfast, lunch and dinner. He literally had an ice cream-shaped swimming pool. He was everyone's best friend. And um, and then he, as he got older, he, he essentially had a a number of tension events. His uncle died, like the co-founder of um, Baskin-Robbins, Bert Baskin, died. His uh, his dad, Irv Robbins, had heart disease. And and these tension events, as you refer that Charlie Massey calls them, were really big um, moments. And then when I read that book, it completely shifted my whole philosophy of uh, what, what it took to age well. At that time, I was a raging vegan with my beautiful wife, Sarah, who, similar to you when you met Angelica, she had opened my eyes yeah. to a lot of health uh, or a lot of philosophies around health. Um, but at the same time, and then I, I shared this stuff with Damo. I was summarizing, literally, I was so into it. I was summarizing the book and sharing it with Damo, going, What do you think? And Damo, older and wiser than I am, uh, was like, Well, I still think that being an omnivore and eating meat and doing it consciously is a far better way to age well than uh, eating mung beans and chickpeas. But we ended up uh, creating this podcast as a result of our shared desire to learn about aging well. But what strikes me is that it's become almost like a magnificent obsession uh, for us and it seems like it's become um, a magnificent obsession for you. You now run biodynamic workshops. You love the land. It's not something that you have to get up for and uh, you're you're not having to um, motivate yourself to do it. For people that are listening, like how do, how do you have an epiphany but then actually act on it? Because that is something that a lot of people feel like they've lost the art of doing. Uh, great question. I guess as I say to people, um, you know, in the in the in the context of farming and, and practice and, and landscape management and so on, you know, people have it. People get to a point that have a tension event and they. They know they have to change. And it's either a push or a pull sort of scenario. They're being pushed away from the current situation, which there may be some pain attached to, um, whether it's drought or it's you know, financial pain. You know, the bank manager's at the door. or, or There could be a number of different sort of reasons why they want to leave their current situation. Uh, I guess the, 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 the easy thing, not the easy thing, but the, the bonus for me in, in my situation and, and any other farmer really is that there's also a, a, a pull towards something better. Okay, so this is the this is the wonderful thing about regenerative agriculture. Let's just call it because it's it, it, all many things. Is that you know that it offers 
farmers um, uh, a different way of doing things that that generally help reduce the pain of what they're currently doing. You know, because you know there's less costs involved. You're working with nature. There's less stress. You're not going out killing things every day. And then because people want nutritious food, there's actually somewhere to sell this this food. You know, and um, and and there's there's actually um, you know there are there are wonderful community of people that you can you can move into and associate with that are drawing you towards this new way of thinking, and and, and that's my point that, that you know before people and you know farmers go out and start practicing things differently and changing their paddocks literally in, on their property, um, I uh, I say to people you've got to change your paddock between your ears first because you know you've got to break some paradigms you know there's only so many paradigms you can carry around otherwise you just it, it just explode so. You know, <laughs> my view is that we've, we've, you know, to make way for new paradigms, we've really got to dispel old myths or old paradigms, and that can be painful because, you know, in the farming world, um, farmers are proud people, and many of them are multi generational. So, um, uh, and it was even tough for me. Now, my my grandfather wasn't a farmer; we had farming in the blood, but my father was really a first generation immediately um, from me that was farming. You know, but even still, I, there was. There was it was tough to basically um, change what we were doing, and um, you know put aside the, the 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 conventional farming model we were doing. It's almost like saying I was wrong or I had done things you know not the best way I could have. So um, that can be difficult for people. And you know, as I said, we're proud people, farmers, and and um, and there's peer group pressure. There's what are, what are the neighbours going to say? What are the boys going to say down the pub? Um, you know, there's there's lots of pressures internal and external that that make it difficult to change that paddock between our ears. But you know, once we have, and I've found talking to mentors, you know, no, just getting to know people who've done it. You know, the good old Tony Robbins um, uh, sort of quote or mantra about, you know, don't learn from others, don't make the mistakes other people have already made. You know, try and learn from them. So, you know, I always tell people to get you through that transition. You know, talk to people who've done it, read books. Join farming groups, and there's more and more of them. I mean, this sort of stuff applies not just to farming, does it? It's it's industry wide. Whether you're in advertising or in real estate or whatever, you know, there's there are ways that you can easily transition to a new way of thinking, and there's there's, there's much harder ways, you know. And I, 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 and I look. Having said that, my transition was by no means perfect. You know, I was I'm a bit of a cold turkey man. I um, you know, I, I just cut chemicals out one day and said no more. Um, now I wouldn't recommend that to it. I wouldn't recommend that to everyone because it does look a bit of a void. Um, <laughs> That's huge. But in terms of cropping or animal production, you know, I just, you know, I just, I just thought there's no, I, I, I can't sell this food to people or this. At that point in time, it was actually a commodity. You know, I was a commodity farmer. I was selling wheat. Um, you know, selling it to the silo. I was, you know, meat, beef into the cattle yard, into the you know, market. I didn't really care who was going to eat it uh, as long mm-hmm. as I got paid and it was, off, it was off when I needed to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And then the minute that I really changed my thinking and, and actually realised, you know, I changed the paradigm about what I was doing and I actually sort of took responsibility and, and said, look, I'm actually, uh, said to myself, I'm actually a food producer. I'm, I'm growing food that's going to feed people and people are going to feed their children. So, you know, continuing to spray chemical on, on crops or on, 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 on the backs of animals um, just I, I couldn't do it. So, um, but there's a way to transition. You know, get the mind right, and then and then the practice. And there's no shortage of information and, and people and practices and books to read. In, in, certainly in the farming world, 
um, that can ease people into, as I say, a soft landing into regenerative agriculture. It's uh, I've I've seen twenty forty, um, you know, um, Damien Gamow's movie, which I loved. I thought it was absolutely. I love the work that he does. I think it's just awesome. Uh, and I hear about things like biodynamic farming, or I hear about organic, and and all of those, you know, great words that we use for farming. And I'm up with food, but I don't fully understand the idea of regenerative agriculture. What does that actually mean, Charlie? Damien, it's it's really, um, I mean, it's, it's many things, and 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 you're not you're not no sort of Robinson Crusoe there, not not being you know. Um, having a clear understanding, or you know, there's no clear definition. What, what I say is that it's it's a combination of a number of practices and philosophies, and essentially works around improving soil health. Soil being the, um, the the focus and the 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 point at which you know we grow food from soil. Um, yeah. We are we used to be soil ourselves. You know, we are living on top of soil. We are we are utilising soil to grow, grow, whether it's a carrot or a cow. You know, yeah. soil is soil is the most important thing in that system. And then, sure. and then wrapped around that are things like the solar cycle, the mineral cycle, the, the, the water cycle, and we have a sort of a mineral and, and biological um, layer to that as well, plants and animals. And then the other, the other sort of often uh, ignored layer or, or cycle or, or, or function of the landscape, as it were, is actually people. Um, you know, because we, it's, it's our job as farmers to and responsibility to manage the landscape and, you know, how we engage socially with our family, with our um, employees, with our community, you know, that is also what I believe is, you know, the glue that that keeps a, sort of the regenerative community, um, uh, you know, tight and, 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 and gives it strength because, yeah. you know, practices have to be, you know, people have to, um, uh, um, roll out these practices on their landscape and without the you know paradigms having been changed and broken and the right attitude and the right intention for what you're doing, then, you know, you can really, and I did it, I, you know, you can ro- really screw up, you know, what you're trying to do if you don't have your head right. And, and if you don't, like a tool in the hands of a ignorant person can be really dangerous. So, you yeah. know, um, the importance of the people using the tools um, you know, practicing um, these techniques on the landscape. So yes, biodynamics is one. Permaculture, um, natural sequence farming. There's a whole collection of practices and philosophies that sit under the umbrella of regenerative farming. And you know, we work with nature, not against it. You know, I got mm-hmm. sick of killing things every time I woke up and sprayed something. You know, so <laughs> we mim- we mimic nature. You know, we look at, we look at literally what animals do, and we. We work with their movement and their behaviours so that we reduce the stress on them, whether it's moving them to the yards or a paddock or onto a truck. Um, we mimic what nature does, whether that's habitat surrounding the paddock, whether that's um, you know the, how the plants respond to rain. We we try and I mean we're really lazy farmers. Well, <laughs> what we because really we're not we're not sort of we're not pushing and battling. You see in the papers, you know, farmers battling droughts. Like, man, whoever won? Whoever won a, a war against a bet against nature? nature? You know, yeah. the successful farmers. Well, I shouldn't say successful farmers because, you know, everyone's got their own definition of success. But, you know, the farmers that um, are less stressed um, and probably, you know, happiest um, and, and have a higher, you know, a better state of mental health are the ones who aren't battling nature. They're literally observing and they're mimicking, and they're 
they're listening to to nature because that's something we've lost as a, as a species is listening. Dad, my father always said, "You got two ears and one mouth. You should use them in that proportion." <laughs> that ratio. Yeah, that ratio. Yeah, and, that, and that, the, the, to me, that really applies to farming. You know, we we really have to sit and watch and listen to our cattle and our grass and our and, and the landscape. And um, I mean, it sounds all a bit airy fairy, but really, it's it's you know, it's not. It's what we as farmers did some hundreds of years ago, before the Industrial Revolution, before the Green Revolution, before we had the the uh, the option of spraying stuff, the kill stuff, to really try and dictate and try and master uh, nature. We had no choice back then but to mimic nature and work with it because we just didn't have the, literally the firepower to, to go to battle with it. Um, we always lost and we still will lose if we try that. So... Um, there's, yeah, look, I, I, I don't know if I answered your question there, Damien, but I mean, it's it's um, uh, it, it's what feels good, you know. I, you, I bet you if you ask a lot of farmers now, and I'm not trying to be, you know, a smartass about this. I'm, you know, there's, you know, there'd be a lot of farmers out there right now who um, uh, are not in a, 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 a well mental state. Um, you know, they are battling drought, um, yeah. and I just, you know, I just hope and and, and pray that. Now, more and more farmers will look at this, even just look at it. That's just all I'm asking is just to consider it, read a book, talk to people and um, consider a different way of doing things and not think about, oh, what you've done is wrong. Mm. It's just, you know, is there a better way and um, can I, you know, can I do things better? And and, and 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 that comes down to things like just working out what your visions and goals are for your business and your property and your life, you know, because, again, as farmers we often get caught up in the business of farming um, and forget that we actually got to live, you know. We, yeah. we, and our businesses become our bosses, you know. And um, we're working for the business, not the business working for us. Yeah, yeah. I nice. read, I read this morning, Charlie, that uh, that ninety nine point four percent of New South Wales is experiencing a drought. Uh, this is despite the dams being now over eighty wow. percent full, where before the floods they were at about forty percent. Um, so I think everything you're saying there is is absolutely very real, and I think uh, what what Damien and I often find well, it actually it actually pushes our buttons that in the longevity space, which I I think Damo and I you can say we we operate in. Um, there's a view that a lot of let's say the medical establishment, but that's not always just the case. Is that they're trying to deny nature, and there's people talking about living to 180 and having 100 different supplements and uh, all types of you know medications, whether it's metformin or all these things, which are they're all, all almost attempting to um, stop the aging process, to almost treat aging as a disease. Um, and it seems that in conventional farming, there's also that that position of de- declining and denying the the role that nature provides. So I think that's that's incredibly um, poignant for our listeners. I also want to say, you said uh, Charlie, or this might seem a little bit airy fairy. I think if people are listening and they really want to get into the nuts and bolts, uh, well, even even more specific. Um, the podcast I've listened to, uh, Charlie, where you've gone into more detail, probably because the interviewers have had more of a, a bent on this, is um, Alex Stewart interviewed you on her podcast, Low Tox Life, and Cindy O'Meara, yep. Kim and, and Karen interviewed you on Up for a Chat. Um, I would I would urge all the listeners to go to go down that path if they want to get more specifics. And the other thing that you talk about, Charlie, which I might I might bring this up now. I did have another question, but I'll bring this up now. Is you often refer to the book Drawdown um, by Paul Hawken, which again I put my hand up. I'm yet to read. It's on the list, um, uh-huh. but it's sub subheading the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to roll back 
global warming. So I feel like you're in a you're in a position in your professional life where you really want you want to educate people, but you also want people to feel that urge to be educated on a on no doubt a very important topic as well. That's right. And just for referencing that book, uh, Marcus, if you it's a hundred hundred of the sort of the top um, scientifically proven, as it were, um, methods for drawing down carbon. If you if you consolidate all of the regenerative ag type methods in there um it's and group them together um they are 2.4 times more effective than the very next way to draw down carbon so this is something that i'm really want people to again understand and 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 be encouraged by is that you know we don't have to build we don't you you can't solve a biological problem with mechanics and chemistry you know what we need we've got a biological problem if that's what we can call it you know Carbon is being pumped into the atmosphere, and carbon is not evil by any means. Carbon is actually a wonderful resource. So we've got an opportunity to use it in a way through regenerative agriculture, through grazing systems that use animals to to grow meat and grow food and feed people, but also sequester carbon. You know, so um, you know, and, and, and a lot of people are looking for technology. You know, there's a lot of emphasis on you know good technology is going to save the planet. I mean, man, we've already got the tools that. To, to, to save the planet they're on four legs and they move and they're in the paddock right now <laughs> so you know we don't have to have a whole lot of startups and then i'm not discouraging people from starting up businesses and using tech but my point is you know a lot of i think that the the focus is needs to be um changed we need to refocus on on you know the things that are in in draw down the book the the, the things that are in um damon gamo's movie 2040 and you know we have the tools we have the understanding experience to to make a big change and, you know, so as it were, save the planet. Um, so, you know, we don't have to waste any more time, I don't think. Um, Charlie, you mentioned in your earlier response to Damo's question, biodynamics, and this is something that has been, uh, how do I say it, um, not nagging at me ever since. But Damo and I, every year, we go to this little Greek island. It's called Ikaria. Uh, a lot of people think it's in Korea, but it's, it's Ikaria. It's uh, <laughs> very close to Turkey. And uh, it's New York Times called it the island where people forget to die, and the term has stuck ever since. And Damo, I, Damo and I have been there three times. We're going back there again in September. And every year we go up to uh, our host's farm. Ilya takes us up to the farm and uh, takes us through the plot of land. And he tells us things like we build little small houses in Ikaria and we use the rest of the land to grow our food. And their whole premise is that they grow their food biodynamically by the moon They've never done it any other way. They've never entertained insecticides and fungicides and herbicides and all the rest of it. It's just the way it is. Um, that's something where we go, um, wow, this is uh, next level. But it's actually not not trendy. Uh, it's actually been something they've been doing for years. Can you mm. just share? Because I, I can't keep anything alive to save myself. I wouldn't survive a day um on Hanamino, I'd kill your farm. I've never really <laughs> learnt about how to keep nature alive and look after it, but I'm fascinated. Like, this is not a trend. This is something that's, well, you know, on a, on a Steiner level, Rudolf Steiner, I suppose, created it or made people aware of it back in the day. But what is biodynamics? Is it just some people think it's getting cows' horns and sticking them in the soil, but, like, the Ikarians have been doing it for years. Like, what what is it exactly, and why do we need to um, appreciate it? That's a that's another whole podcast series right there, Marcus. Um, <laughs> but what but what I will say, I guess, is two 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 sort of 
two um, two facets to biodynamics. There's probably more, really, but I'm just trying to keep it simple. There's a there's a sort of a substance and scientific type of um, or part of biodynamics where we're literally putting, as you said, cow manure in a horn and making a compost of that cow manure, which is not an un- uncommon thing to do. It's one of the best, you know, types of compost is, is cow manure. We just happen to put it in a horn and put it in the ground over winter, and that produces an amazing um, fertiliser, let's just call it, which we then spray on the landscape. And there's a number of other practices and, and, and preparations that we make, you know, using cow manure and a few other things, a few herbs that we, that we compost as well in the organs of some of different animals. So we're basically using what's provided in nature to make a fertiliser as opposed to going to a shop and buying a bag of you know, urea or DAP or something. So there's a very sort of science-based, um, measurable um, substance-type um, part of biodynamics. And then there's a, then the other bit that is a little harder to pin down is more the energetic side of it, the intentional side of it, and, and some might call the cosmic side of it. So just like the moon can influence the movement of the things on Earth, you know, the, the tides and often people's moods and all sorts of things, we... Um, uh, we the, the other planets that are a bit further away have other more subtle, but but subtle in some ways, but also very powerful influences on the Earth, and they relate to fertility and and strength, and they also relate to the different um, mineral cycles and 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 functions of um, of minerals and elements in plants. So we have influences that we as a um, industrial farming community have conveniently sort of forgotten about because we were able to go and bag, buy a bag of this stuff and we were taught that chemistry was king and that um, if you've got a deficiency you go and buy a bag of what's missing and you put it in there it'll work you know nature is such a complex amazing thing that for us to think we can just you know break it down into compartments and 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 um, sort of uh, be very prescriptive in the way we deal with nature it just doesn't work that way so biodynamics really helps to bring together you know, the, the science of, of agriculture. Um, it also, I guess, you know, it, it puts some of the culture back into agriculture because, again, we've been, we've been taught to be so prescriptive and we've abdicated so many of our decisions to other people like agronomists and scientists that, you know, we've lost our, our, our touch with nature and, you know, as I said before, observing nature, listening to nature and learning from it and letting it do its thing because it's, it will always heal itself. We just need to let it do that. So biodynamics is a way where we, you know, and in my personal experiences, I've, I've created a wonderful relationship with nature again that I either didn't have or had lost. I probably had it when I was a child because I was of an age where I'm, I'm you know, we, are, we were all of an age where we were accepting of nature because we were so, we were, we were part of it. Um, and it's given me some structure to not just farming practice, but, you know, to re-engage with nature, with ritual around, you know, putting these preparations out seasonally, with with collecting these these um, prep, uh, the manure and things, and 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 understanding some of the the cycles of nature, you know, and the seasonality of nature. So, um, you know, and it's a great community as well, and um, people can get as involved or not with that cosmic side of it or the energetic side of it. Many farmers just understand. And want to use the physical, the preparations. They get to know when to use it and why, and, and, and how they're working, and that's fine too. You know, you don't have to sort of be, uh, have a PhD in biodynamics to go and do it. We we always say to our um, course attendees, eighty percent of something's better than hundred percent enough. You know, so 
just go and try it. You know, let's not be too prescriptive. Give it a shot. If it didn't work, that's fine. Tell someone about it. And don't do it again. If it works, fantastic. Do it again and tell someone about it. You know, so, um, yeah, we have a reasonably non-prescriptive way of teaching biodynamics, which I think some people probably think is um, heresy. But, you know, we're, we're really about sharing the benefits of it, sharing the, 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 um, the um, you know, the principles and the practices because we need people, we need farmers who are, who when it all goes, you know, to the put and, and, and things get serious, I mean, they're serious now, we need farmers who are able to um, grow, grow much from very little because um, that's where we're going to get to if we, don't, um, if we don't do something about it soon. You know, we, we, our soils are being depleted, our water sources are being depleted, uh, the, the, the nutrient density of our food is ridiculously low now, and this is one of the wonderful things about biodynamics. You know, we're improving and we're increasing the density of the nutrition and the quality of that food. So, um, yeah, there's a whole conversation there, and and you know, I I'm always been one to to uh, to say we need that we actually should have the health department and the ag department should be the one department because they're so 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 intertwined and they're so connected and they're so relative to each other that to have them separated um is essentially why everyone's so sick oh charlie you have sowed the seed uh don't pardon the pun it's fully intended you have sowed the seed <laughs> on so many wonderful topics for us to really scratch our head and think about and i really urge all of our listeners to go and uh, just just search for charlie arnott in all in, in your favorite podcast app but definitely uh with alex stewart and up for a chat um charlie i've got to give your workshops a plug they get rave reviews i know you're coming up in victoria in march but you do them right throughout the year i know you've got some in may as well uh, that is all at charliearnott.com.au forward slash events um check out everything at uh, charliearnott.com.au folks um charlie again we could so talk good. all day but uh we absolutely thank you for sharing your wisdom it is yeah, so reassuring to have people like you on the planet uh doing what you do it makes us all feel um somewhat safe that uh despite the challenges and particularly after the summer that we've had in australia despite the challenges yeah. that we're all experiencing uh we have leaders like yourself leading the way so charlie thanks as always for um sharing your wisdom and and leading the way well thank you gentlemen for uh, giving me and others the opportunity to talk about this sort of sort of thing and and uh, you know, have a platform for for discussion, and um, it's really important. So, you know, thanks for having me on the show. Our pleasure, thanks, Charlie. Damo, thanks again for your wisdom. Thank as you, always. PC. Uh, for Damo, folks, head on over to damienchristoff.com. For myself, marcuspierce.com.au. Come and join us in Ikaria and Sardinia in 2020. Uh, all of that is over at 100notout.com. Thanks to everyone who makes this podcast possible, our editor, Joseph Tomo, and everyone at thewellnesscouch.com. You can check out over 2,000 free podcasts over at our website, thewellnesscouch.com. Until next week, thank you for your support and continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.